I invite you this Saturday morning to chime in with something that's on your mind during a good old-fashioned open lines edition on Gesundheit with Jacobus. Continued research in the field of health combined with growing confusion about choosing therapies for one's illness is best addressed during the early weekend hours. Please join me with pen, paper, questions and healthy comments. Gesundheit with Jacobus, Health Talk Radio, integrating allopathic and all-natural medicine one show at a time. Here is your host, Jacobus Hollowine. Well, good morning, everybody. Sounds like my microphone is already cracking up. Must be happy to see me, I guess. It's really wonderful to be with you, uh, always is, uh, in spite of the microphone. I don't even know if I can get another microphone going right now. So, as we are talking about health healing and healthy lifestyles, it's always about the education, information, hopefully a little entertainment. I got to give all this dry information to you. All you regular listeners do know that we're not here to treat, cure, or diagnose. It's simply sharing information, do with it what you want. Always recommend that you find more information for yourself. Uh, Find great magazines, read articles talk to people. It's always very helpful, in my opinion, to learn from others and the experiences from others, because sometimes they may sound crazy, but you may find a gem in there, and that could make the difference for you to go like, "Mm, I never looked at it that way. Let me check this out. So uh, today, I do want to talk a little bit about cancer research. Actually, it was a few articles I found in the Wellbeing Journal, different well-being journals, The Cancer Cures Offer New Hope, uh, Supplements for Preventing and Treating Cancer, My Answer to Cancer, as somebody's personal story, and, of course, we can talk about the Montana UTIP products. We talked to Russ Willis not too long ago, a couple weeks or so, three weeks ago, and we can talk about some of that, how to incorporate that in your daily fight against cancer. I also like to talk more about CBD. Hope and Healing with Cannabis, which is a personal story. And then Bridge of Nutrition. Bridge of Nutrition used to be called Bridge of Feet. They have actually come out with an article. It's CBD for dogs. So that will be interesting to go through that. And then something I I'll, maybe we'll start with this one. It is the benefit of high-quality dairy. Benefit of high-quality dairy. So there are different articles. And I... I really, how do I say it? Um, I really think that we should have a free-range availability of raw dairy products if the customer would like that. I don't know what you think about it. I love to hear from you if you have any thoughts about raw dairy, but I want to share some articles with you, and there has been fights by Montanans who really feel that, especially in a state like this, 
we should be able to have availability over raw dairy in general, raw milk. And I totally agree with them because when you look at farmers who have raw dairy and drink that dairy, their immune system is fantastic. Uh, when you start looking into what we do with dairy, with milk specifically, and the homogenization, pasteurization, there is an explanation for it. I can understand why people say we need to do this. But part of the way for the homogenization, pasteurization, which will come out in the articles that I have with me, is the fact that you are injecting cows with different hormones, with antibiotics. Uh, you want the yield to go up you are risking the quality of the vehicle that you are using in this case. And if you start losing control over what the animal can do on its own without your support and simply say, I got to get the max out of this, yes, then the quality is going to be altered and the, 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 the product itself is going to be different than what you originally had in mind. So raw dairy, uh, in my opinion, would be a great way to get dairy in our system. And that is something I would like to discuss with you. What, one of the things I was trying to do here when I was reading, uh, preparing for the show, was the importance of fats. And I started looking, and I haven't looked at Dr. Marcola's website, Joseph Marcola, which, by the way, is a great resource for many people. It's Mercola, M-E-R-C-O-L-A, M-E-R-C-O-L-A.com. And Dr. Joseph Mercola has been in the industry for decades, coming out with great research articles that are, that are readable. You can actually, I mean, they're well put together. There's great resources attached to the articles. There are comments by readers. But all in all, Dr. Mercola is open to natural medicine, very open to natural medicine and overall health. And what has happened is, is that in his articles, as a DO, which means doctor in osteopathy, he is a medical doctor, but he decided to move in the osteopathic direction. His, his knowledge of medicine is very, very good, very thorough, and his focus on helping people help themselves has been exemplary. And I can really appreciate that in Dr. McCola's work. And this is another article that came out. And actually, it came out just a couple of weeks ago on the 24th of September, 2018. It says over here, a new study confirms, again, that whole fat dairy is not associated with a higher risk of cardiovascular disease, and it has been asserted that, as has been asserted for more than 60 years, the evidence is overwhelming that consuming whole fats can be an important part of maintaining optimal health and actually fights heart disease and other diseases prevalent today rather than causing them. The Prospective Urban Rural Epidemiology Study, the Prospective Urban Rural Epidemiology, or the PURE study, was published in Lancet, one of the world's most prestigious medical journals, 
and it gives one cause to second guess the 2015-2020, so the five-year dietary guidelines for Americans set forth by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, as well as the U.S. Department of Agriculture, USDA. Those agencies continue to maintain that your best bet for reducing your heart disease risk is to pass up full-fat dairy products and reach for no-fat and low-fat options instead. However, while some doctors are finally beginning to acknowledge that full-fat dairy is not the killer it's been made out to be, just as many are still touting those erroneous recommendations for the patients, the confusing guidelines mentioned above may be one of the reasons, but evidence to the contrary is now overwhelming. As lead study author Mashit Digan, why do scientists always sound like they're from India or Pakistan or one of those? Uh, Mashit is M-A-H-S-H-I-D, Mashit. Degan, D-E-H-G-H-A-N, D-E-H-G-H-A-N, Mashit Degan, a senior as a female, a senior research associate and nutrition epidemiology investigator at McMaster University in Hamilton, Ontario, noted in the feature study, quote, our results showed an inverse association between total dairy and mortality and major cardiovascular disease. So our result shows an inverse association between total dairy and mortality and major cardiovascular disease. The risk of stroke was markedly lower with higher consumption of dairy. So stroke was markedly lower with a higher consumption of dairy. At that note, we have a caller waiting. Good morning, caller. Thanks for joining. Your name, please. How can we help you? Good morning, Jacobus. Uh, you got me? I got you, yes. Good morning to you. Oh, good. Good morning. My name's Tom. The first time I've called, I listen to your show on a regular basis. and I Thank you. really, really enjoy the topics that you bring up. So good job. Thank you, Kyle. Thank you. And you're welcome. Hey, I heard you talking about dairy, and I'm in my car right now. Can you hear me okay? Talk yes, I can hear you. I can hear you, okay. Kyle. Thanks. Uh, book I've got uh, reading right now, and I'm not even totally through it, is called uh, Plant Paradox by uh, Stephen Gundry. Have you looked at that or heard of that book? I have heard of the book, but I haven't gone through it yet, uh, Kyle. Sorry. Well, that's all right, but uh, he has a section on dairy, and it's something I skimmed, and I, I remembered it this morning. I'll just turn you on to it. He, he talks about uh, two different kinds of dairy animals. And uh, I'm a farmer rancher from years and years ago. Uh, I used to, you know, raise steers for meat. But on the dairy end, he talks about two types, one of the old uh, uh, breeds. And I'm going to use the word Guernsey as one, as an older breed. And then newer breeds like Holstein, and any error is mine in this. And he talks about the Europeans eating dairy or consuming dairy that mainly are from older breeds and seems to have um, a better mix of, I'm going to say, nutrition or chemicals. Again, I'm not a scientist, but uh, it would be interesting for you to research that and bring that on your show yeah. you know, based on his research on the dairy. So that's basically what I wanted to talk about or bring to your attention. 
Well, thank uh, you. Did you, did you, uh, what was the first breed of cows that you mentioned? The Holstein was the second. What's the first one? Holstein is the second, and Guernsey would be an older breed of dairy. I used to be a, 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 a an FFA member back in high school, so yeah. some of these breeds are familiar to me, but again, for accuracy, I think that, you know, you need to read that and really get that down. I, I might be a little bit off on those breeds. Okay, well, I'll, it sounds very interesting. As a matter of fact, I have a feeling I have the book at the store, but I haven't okay. looked at it yet. So, But I, I'll check in that Plant Paradox by Stephen Gundry. Yeah, yeah, and I might find some other interesting uh, angles on that based yeah. on all this diet information. He talks a lot about what he calls lectins yes. in uh, plant food. Yeah, so, the inflammatory, uh, the inflammatory uh, proteins, yes. Bingo, bingo. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, anyway... And good job on this topic. I'd like to. I'd be more interested in hearing about raw dairy in the future myself. Uh, you bet. Okay. I'll jump on it. Thank you, Kyle. Have a good day. Thank you. You too, Jacob. Bye bye. So, Mashid Degan, a senior research associate and nutrition epidemiology investigator in Hamilton, Ontario, said uh, the results showed an inverse association between total dairy and mortality, and major cardiovascular disease. The risk of stroke was markedly lower with a higher consumption of dairy. The PURE study, so the PURE, as I said earlier, is the Prospective Urban Rural Epidemiology Study. So, the PURE study was large and extensive, involving research from Canada, India, Sweden, South Africa, Brazil, Pakistan, Colombia, Zimbabwe, Saudi Arabia, the Philippines, Iran, Turkey, Chile, Poland, Malaysia, United Arab Emirates, Argentina, China, Bangladesh, and the United States, lasting an average of nine years. Nine years, folks. The study used controls for such factors as age, sex, smoking, physical activity, education levels, and consumption of vegetables, fruit, red meat, and starchy food for a total of 136,384 people in 21 countries with ages ranging from 35 to 70. So so over 136,000 people in 21 countries ages 35 to 70. At the end, researchers reported that when people ate two or more servings of full-fat dairy, so one serving, so you have to do two or more servings, so one serving being defined as eight ounces of milk or yogurt, one teaspoon of butter, or a half-ounce slice of cheese. When people would do that, two or three of these type of servings, it was associated with a 22% lower heart disease risk, a 34% lower risk of stroke, a 23% lower risk of death from cardiovascular disease or a major cardiovascular event. According to Dagan, current guidelines are rooted in the belief that saturated fatty acids are harmful based on a single risk marker, LDL also known as, quote-unquote, bad cholesterol. However, she says, 
dairy products contain a number of nutrients and avoiding them prevents you from getting other important nutrients. Now, that's a key. It contains a number of nutrients and avoiding them prevents you from getting other important nutrients. Dagan noted that people should not be discouraged from eating dairy products and if they don't eat much already, they should in fact be encouraged to increase their consumption. Now, overall, people should focus on moderation, she added, especially since cardiovascular disease is a global epidemic. In fact, 80% of heart disease cases are found in low- and middle-income countries, which is, was observed by Reuters, quoting Dagan from an earlier study. It should be noted that eating more whole-fat foods from the dairy section did not make a significant difference in the overall outcome of the study for either total mortality or major cardiovascular disease Matt Page Today explains. Matt Page Today explains. In fact, quote, the findings were similar, but not significant for people who are both full-fat and low-fat, who would eat both full-fat and low-fat dairy, unquote. The controversy continues, however, and the naysayers are still adamant. Joanne Carson, a spokesperson for the American Heart Association from uh, UT Southwestern Medical Center, in Dallas says that, and this is typical from scientists, she says, currently, with the evidence that we have reviewed, which means she doesn't hasn't reviewed it, right? She just hasn't reviewed that evidence. Currently, with the evidence that we have reviewed, we still believe that you should try to limit your saturated fat, including fat that, de- uh, that is coming from dairy products. So, any case, we're going to continue with this when we come back. Great information coming your way. And I do hope you stay with me all the way. We'll be right back. Good morning, caller. Thanks for joining today. What's your name? How can we help you? Hi, it's Ed. Hey, Ed, uh, good morning to you. Great topic this morning, the importance of full-fat dairy. Thank you, Ed. there, There are lots and lots of smaller studies. The study you're talking about is big. Uh, there's lots and lot of smaller studies. Some of them are even more well controlled that come up with full fat dairy being tremendously beneficial. I don't have them in my mind at the moment, you know, to quote. Yeah. But there are lots of them out there and I could get a whole list of them for you pretty easily, actually. But it's, it's, it's very striking. And we've just had a lot of bad information, uh, about avoiding saturated fat and, uh, and it's just wrong just plain wrong and it's the basic biochemistry and all the data we have yeah. uh, supports that and one thing i'd like to add to what you're saying please uh is that it's especially important for kids yes. uh to have full fat dairy yes because there's sugar in milk uh lactose and that you know braces their blood sugar but the fat tends to stabilize the blood sugar which is really good for kids because it slows down the digestion and uh so that's another big plus. And if you put the, the kids on fat-free milk, yes. they usually don't like the blue milk. You know, That's and right. So, that's right. So then, then the people go to chocolate milk, but chocolate is, is, uh, uh, is bitter. So you have to, they add sugar to the chocolate milk. So the chocolate you know, excites the kids too, but then you have added sugar 
in the in the chocolate milk, and you know it's fat-free chocolate milk, and it's uh, there might be worse things you can feed kids, but I can't think of any right offhand. <laughs> so that's another thing to add to it. I yeah. mean, maybe it's just give them straight candy, you know, for yeah, breakfast. I see. Yeah, in a month we're going to do that, huh? Or in three weeks? All right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Anyway, um, uh, it's a great topic. Well, and thanks, it's Ed. Really, really important. Yes. And uh, they're actual. We actually know some of the fatty acids in that milk, the fat, full fat milk. Yes. That have specific benefits okay and uh uh you know i don't i'm not going to go into that right now because you have lots of good topics to talk about but i just wanted to uh encourage this whole thing about full fat dairy excellent well i appreciate that and one of the big one of the big things is it's uh the 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 controversy between is it legal in montana is it not legal in montana apparently in 2017 they got an article that says that we are the 43rd state that allows uh, raw milk distribution but then it's going to be very complicated because you have to buy part ownership into a cow and figure out how you're going to get it. Yeah. So it, yeah. it's complicated, and I think it is a shame that it is not ran, uh, available in grocery stores for those who want it. Or available somehow. There was a guy here uh, in the area yeah. that sold raw milk for quite a while. Yes. Uh, but then he you know, just got to be so darn much work he was looking for people to help him that he yeah. would pay okay. and he couldn't find anybody i see and so finally he he retired i mean he's a young guy mm. i think he's down in south america somewhere now looking for you know a good way to run to live his life right. i haven't seen him for a while huh. but but we bought raw milk from him for our grandkids for a couple of years yes before he before he uh gave up he had a refrigerated truck and he would, you know, go, you know, be somewhere where everybody knew, and he'd have a long line of people wow. buying his milk. Jeez, yeah. yeah, and 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 now it's uh, not available. So I think it's a tragedy because, you know, the we've experienced personally that uh, the raw milk is will at least with our daughter. She grew up in raw milk in California, yeah. and she had a problem with milk. And then when we, they outlawed raw milk in California quite a while and she had a milk allergy and then oh. later when she was living back east she could get raw dairy from from pennsylvania and she didn't have an allergy i see so yes. i think it's something to do with well i don't know what the reason for that but i think it probably the the heating of the milk might change the protein and make it more Anagenic, but I, I don't really know. Well, we can but talk about that. It. Part of it has to do with the uh, antibiotics that they put in the uh, in the cow. You know, it inject the cow with to affect the quality Could of the milk. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and yeah. it is partly because of how the cows are raised. I mean, we have this idea that the cow just walks around in a field and everything is going to be honky dory. But uh, we're talking here about factories of cows where they Factory literally milk, stand yeah. in fecal matter and. You know, they have to get yeah. the antibiotics in order to uh, protect them from infections from their neighbors. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So, so it would be a great service if somebody would have the gumption to uh, get uh, raw milk going in the area again. It, they can charge a whole lot more for it, and people will pay a lot more because it's expensive to do. Yes, it it's is. a lot of hand work. Yes. And uh, so uh, the, the guy, I think, well, I'll, I'll see if I can track him down. I think I've got his contact information somewhere because he may even have a lot of the equipment still here and really kind of oh, thing. oh interesting. Might, but anyway Thanks, uh, yeah so so keep up the good work you're Appreciate doing great that. things and and the lady 
uh, called in about this Gundry book. I haven't read it either. That was a gentleman, a gentleman who called up about the Gundry book. Yeah, there's Kyle. too many books, too yeah. little time. No. Yes, yeah, uh, I know. But you have, I think you have talked about Stephen Gundry, haven't you? No. That uh, sounds familiar. No, no, no. Okay. No, 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 no. But I'm a little skeptical of him, but I can't, I can't say for sure. We don't know uh, until we read I, the book. I got to read the book, yeah. All right. Yeah, got to read the book. Thanks. Too, too, many good, too many good books, too little time. Yeah. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Keep up coming, good work. Coming from you, that means a lot. <laughs> okay. Okay. Have a Bye. good one, Ed. Bye bye. I ended up this last half hour with this lady, this uh, researcher, Joanne Carson. Actually, she is a spokesperson for the American Heart Association and from Dallas. And she says that currently, with the evidence that we have reviewed, we still believe that you should try to limit your saturated fat, including fat that is coming from dairy products. So it is interesting when you say, I haven't read the information. It's just when you go, I told this before, if you go to your physician and you say, have you heard about it? And they said, no, we, I haven't seen any studies that prove that what you're saying will help you. Well, if you say that, it doesn't mean the study isn't there, but you have the feeling that when the doctor tells you that, there is just no study. You figure that these people are totally up to date on everything that's going on, and it simply is not the case. They only can read so much in a day, and usually it's information that's fed to them. So they haven't read the study because they just didn't look at it. It can lay on the desk. If they don't look at it and read it, they can honestly tell you, I haven't seen any study that really shows this. So in any case... With those statements, Carson essentially upholds the now disproven assertions of Ansel Keys, who was the University of Minnesota professor who started the fat is bad ball rolling back in 1953. Keys used faulty science and patchy data to conclude that eating saturated fat raises your cholesterol and then leads to heart disease. The medical community embraced the concept and adopted a collective stance. Now, obviously, it was not the medical community embraced it. They were told this is where we're going from now on. Saturated fat was then summarily vilified, and in its place, vegetable oils and shortening, partially, uh, partially hydrogenated vegetable oils and margarine were pushed to the forefront and quickly became all the rage. Unfortunately, the fat kills mantra launched a movement in the food industry that's proving very difficult to turn around, but the pure study helps lay the myth to rest. And that's totally true even today, especially when you look at the increase of the vegan movement and the vegetarian movement, they have a tendency to be fat-free, low-fat. They just do not understand that fat is so important and fat is what we make ourselves and we need to nourish it so it is an important part and i'm not criticizing the the the, the vegan or the vegetarian or the raw movement but i'm telling you you got to figure out a way to get your fat and if you don't put that fuel in your system that helps you burn and nourish the cells 
you are constantly going to be nibbling food because you're constantly hungry and you end up with a high carbohydrate diet. You may lose your muscle. So you look skinny and you may say, wow, I feel, oh my God, I can fit in my pants again that I was fitting in in high school. It's unimportant when the inside of the body starts to lose its health and its quality that it needs to uh, reproduce, communicate, heal, strengthen. And, and, and so you will have to figure out a way how to get the correct fat that is also absorbable in your system. Caller, I thank you for waiting. Good morning to you. What's your name? How can we help you, please? Jacobus, this is Paul. Hey, Paul. Good morning yeah. to you. It's been a long time. Yeah. Your previous caller demonstrated something that I want to point out. Yes. Uh, junk science. All these studies that take one constituent of a food and then wind up uh, alarming us all by telling us that constituent is, is not good for us. Yes. Uh, eggs uh, come to mind. Uh, they, they have cholesterol in them, but they also have lecithin. As they were created, you have to take the whole thing into consideration. And when you do a study that leaves out all the rest of the constituents of, of a given food product, yeah, uh, you're not coming up with good answers. <clears throat> no, that's, that's true. You cannot get a fair assessment of what would be possible if you leave some things out. Yeah, and what you just, just pointed out... Uh, uh, verifies all that yes uh, it, it's uh junk science uh, does not consider the whole uh and and thus it comes up with answers that aren't correct for us plus what you see paul is you always well i don't always do it either but you should be looking at who's paying for the study yeah <laughs> right and because if the people want to have a certain, uh, I mean, you cannot imagine that when you look at the science that of the research that is being done on prescription drugs that is done by the, the pharmaceutical company itself, of course, it doesn't show much negativity. But when we all know that over time, they have had to write down in the disclaimer how many negative side effects there possibly could be because they couldn't get away with it anymore. And you 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 go like, okay, so we got to ask then, how did the product get on the market in the first place if it has this many side effects? When you go back to some, something as simple as raw milk, full-fat dairy products, raw milk, you go, where is the study that really pins, points out that this is dangerous for our health? And there is no such study. what I wanted to point out. Well, thanks for the call, Paul. Appreciate okay. it. Okay, bye-bye. Right. This uh, this uh, researcher, Deegan, Deegan, Mashid Deegan, the lead study author who did the Prospective Urban Rural Epidemiology Study, the PURE, P-U-R-E, study, which was published in Lancet Journal, one of the world's most prestigious medical journals, uh, the the lead study author was Mashit Deegan, a, a lady, says that while the pure study was largely observational, it was still robust and more widely applicable.
because it was all-encompassing over a broad range of types of dairy consumption and reflected many different um, different settings and cultures. So the, the, while the pure study was largely observational, it was still robust and more widely applicable because it was all-encompassing over a broad range of types of dairy consumption and reflected many different settings and cultures, which is true. I told you all the countries that participated. Obviously, there are different rules and different climates and different soil qualities in different parts of the body and all different continents. They said, uh, so in 2017, Dagan and her cohorts involved in the future pure study submitted another facet of the review that looked at the issue from another view associating fat and carb intake, fat and carb intake with cardiovascular disease and mortality. And this is what they concluded. We found that high carbohydrate intake, which is more than about 60% of energy, a high carbohydrate intake was associated with an adverse impact on total mortality and non-cardiovascular disease mortality. By contrast, higher fat intake was associated with a lower risk of total mortality, non-cardiovascular disease mortality, and stroke. Furthermore, higher intakes of individual types of fat were associated with lower total mortality, non-cardiovascular disease mortality, and stroke risk, and they were not associated with risk of major cardiovascular disease events, myocardial infarction, or cardiovascular disease mortality. Our findings do not support our findings do not support the current recommendation to limit total fat intake to less than 30% of energy and saturated fat intake to less than 10% of energy. Individuals with high carbohydrate intake might benefit from a reduction in carbohydrate intake and increase in the consumption of fats. So this is a huge conclusion that if people would live this way and find out how can I lower my carbohydrate intake and increase the fat, that's the way to go. Now, my best suggestion on this is don't cut your carbs. Sounds really weird, but what I want to say is this. Put that on the second place. First step, eat more fat. Go eat more fat. Eight, 12 tablespoons a day, no problem. Fish oil, flax oil, coconut or MCT, avocados, avocado oil, butter, ghee, um, you can do olive oil. You do more of those fats, your craving for carbohydrates naturally will go out the window. So don't think, don't overthink that you cannot have your favorite carbohydrate anymore. You simply start eating more fats and proteins. You put the logs in the fire the fire has less desire for paper, which is your sugar and carbohydrates. So don't stress over changing your diet completely. Just incorporate more fat and watch your own cravings diminish. Good morning, caller. Thanks for waiting. 
I was yapping there. What's your name? How can we help you? Hi, my name is Maria. Hey, Maria. Good morning to you. Hi, good morning. Yeah. Uh, first of all, I want to say to you <clears throat> how important the, the, the question of fats are, but there's always a front and a back, and I was wondering if I could discuss the other side. Sure. Uh, many times, mothers and fathers are walking their babies at night with runny noses, congestion, watery eyes, and the the child is uh, has pain. And and what they do is they feed it more milk. And if they stop the milk, the congestion and the colic would stop, and uh, the baby would be fine. I just came back from some relatives, yeah. <laughs> and my poor my poor niece was just suffering and suffering. But they were brought up in the culture of uh, of of dairy. Now people from different cultures do digest the milk differently. In the Asian cultures, uh, they they mix a, they make kefir or they make yogurt and they mix it with water and they're able to digest it that way. Now the man earlier was talking about Guernseys. Guernseys and Jerseys, if you know those cows, they're very lethargic, and they produce a very, very rich milk that makes a wonderful butter. Okay. But the the Holstein does not look like the original Holstein as it is today. They have a very, very large bag that practically drags on the ground. Yeah. And they're and they're more susceptible to the diseases and so on and so forth because they've been genetically engineered yeah. uh, to to be milkers. Mm. But um, but a lot of uh, uh, parents around here whose children have problems with milk, they changed over to goat milk because they didn't want to give up the the milk, and they felt that uh, the goat milk proportionally was maybe a little closer to breast milk, and they felt that they had a little better luck with the goat's milk. Yes. But but people who have eczema, psoriasis, people who have worms, parasites, uh, this type of thing, the the milk will actually exasperate that situation uh, for for people because it's mucusy. So um, so I think it has a lot to do with the culture that you were born up. Like if you were Scandinavian, for example, you're raised with a lot more dairy and milk. When I lived in Switzerland, so many people there had ulcers in their legs, and had. Uh, and when you see the young girls bringing the cows down from the hills, they're walking like the cow. They're absolutely lethargic <laughs> because they've been, they've been living on the dairy and the milk of the cow totally. So if you have a child that's having trouble with math in the morning, I, I don't recommend milk because it it. it Energetically, it makes them lethargic. Now, the kosher way of cooking, <clears throat> they tell you never mix dairy and meat together. Okay. And I have seen I have seen dinners where people actually got sick from the mixture of uh, dairy and and meat together. Okay. So it's a very in- it's a very interesting subject, and mm. I'm glad that you're studying it this morning. Uh, thank you very much, Maria. Yeah, I, uh, we're coming close to a break. Um, I don't know at this mm-hmm. point how much I can say about that. Obviously, the people in Switzerland that you saw, they, um, let me bring this down a little bit. The people in Switzerland who you saw, they obviously use, I would say, clean dairy. It doesn't look yeah. like these animals are injected with a bunch of hormones. 
No, uh, and they're different. Yeah, they're, they're different. different. They're pampered. <laughs> yes, but I also believe that uh, this the 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 consumption of whole fat dairy. Uh, I think that there's two things here. Number one, and I don't know how much time we have. We may have to jump on it in the second second hour here. Mm-hmm. It is what else are people eating in their daily life, right? What are they combining it with? And indeed, uh, how much are they taking? Uh, how much dairy are they taking in comparison to everything else? And what is the dairy made from? But what what I need to do is I need to run for a break because it's going to be hard break coming up. Sure. We can jump on this again in the second hour. Thanks, All Maria. Right. Thank you. There is somebody on hold who would like to chime in as well. It is Gazuntite with Jacobus. Open lines today. I have plenty of topics. I was talking about dairy, the importance of whole fat dairy. If you choose to eat dairy and if you can eat it, uh, if you don't have a specific allergy to it. Also, uh, more on cancer and options, natural options to fight cancer or to enhance the fight against cancer and also some more stories on the benefits of cbd oil but of course everything else is game as long as it's related to health healing and healthy lifestyles want to let you know i just got a text as we were talking about whole fat it says i have been doing the keto diet the ketogenic diet for two years now the best i have felt in a long time I'm not religious about it. I still have an apple pie on my birthday. But I forgot to mention, I lost 40 pounds. That is uh, impressive. And of course, it is good. Many people have gone on the ketogenic diet because they want to lose weight. And yes, they will lose weight because they're not eating the calories and the carbohydrate, the calories, well, I've got calories from fat, but you don't eat the carbs and the sugars. And you give the body therefore a chance to kind of reset itself. These are things that are important, but the most important thing is truly better health because of the uh, addition of higher fat and moderate protein to the diet. And even that is disputable how you go about that exactly. But, uh, and it is the quality of the fat that we need to take. So thank you very much for that text. I appreciate it. Uh, We have another caller waiting patiently on hold. Good morning, caller. Thanks for joining the show today. What's your name? How can we help you? Uh, This is Mugwump. Mugwump? Uh, Oh, wow. That's a good one. No, 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 Mugwump. If uh, you were to American politics, that's uh, a recognizable word. Mugwump. your mug is on one side of the fence, and your womp is on the other. Uh, <laughs> okay. Yeah, no, uh, I haven't drank milk in 50 years, uh, mostly because I found out the way they treat commercial cows. Uh, but fortunately, I came from Wisconsin, where the company Organic Valley comes from, so I have used, uh, in moderation, uh, high-quality butter over the years. Uh, but... Uh, Enough about uh, my habits. Uh, let's uh, talk about uh, trivia fact number two. Ah. Now, I stumbled across on the front page of the Chronicle 15, 20 years ago yeah. uh, a fact that among all the counties in uh, this country, 300, 3,000 or more, 
it showed that American males among Gallatin County uh, males live the tenth longest. Really? Now people, are, yeah, yeah, people are puzzled over that. Maybe that uh, they were just had a simple diet, meat and potatoes, and uh, high quality milk, and the simple life, no television. It may be associated with good milk, so uh, you can uh, put that trivia in your pipe and uh, smoke don't it. Smoke. No, don't <laughs> smoke. <laughs> I'll do that, Daniel. Thanks for the input. Okay. Okay. Bye bye. I have said uh, before, you know, when we talk about dairy, yes, we have dairy cows in this area, and they are very hardworking farmers. To be a farmer, I, my, my in-laws were farmers, dairy farmers, and to have to be available for them to milk twice a day, seven days a week, 365. There is no stopping. That is your dedication, and everything else in your life pretty much surrounds that uh it, that's the core that's the core of your living you got to make take care of these animals you got to make sure of your take care of the milk uh make sure you keep your quality up but what happened all of a sudden in europe they started telling farmers that based on certain numbers how they came up with it they they were they were creating this what they call a butter mountain the butter mountain and they said, we have too much milk and too much butter, and we need to slow that down. We have no place to, uh, to process it. We don't have, we, we don't want this much. Now, again, if you look at Ansel Keys 1953, that means that while I was a teenager, this was already going on, and it was expanding worldwide. So farmers were being told that they could not uh, produce more dairy than whatever the government, this was in the Netherlands, than the government told them to do based on the amount of cows that they had. If they, if they did more than they were allowed to do, they, they were allowed to, to do, they would actually get penalized. So you had farmers that would buy the quota from other farmers simply so they could <laughs> they could actually produce more dairy. And other farmers who wanted to sell, they would sell, okay, I'll sell you the farm. I will sell you my quota. And this was a battle. So instead of stimulating farmers to simply, you know, this is what you have. You have it. You have room for another five cows. Bring them in work on your economy, you were pretty much told we have too much. Funny thing is, right now, they don't have enough. They're telling farmers to to get, produce more dairy. But the quality is not always there. If you tell people to produce a certain amount, you will always find those who follow the law, who do it correctly, and you have those who stretch the law and find loopholes to sneak in something here or there that is probably not beneficial for the cow's health and therefore not for our health. And what I often find, uh, what I thought was interesting in the Gallatin Valley, some of the farmers who I have met 
in over the last decades have told me uh, that they, even though they have raw milk, obviously they milk the cows, they don't even drink their own raw milk. They actually buy the milk in the grocery store. And I go, why do you do that? You know, why don't you use the raw milk before it gets homogenized and pasteurized so that you get all the benefits? And they say, we're not allowed. You cannot do raw milk. And I go, this is really ridiculous. If you think about it, that somehow something that was done literally for thousands of years, thousands of years, people would consume milk either from a goat or from a cow. I would say most of it. Some people milk camels, but not in this area. So if you go back thousands of years of use, what was it at some point that somebody said, hey, I got a novel idea. Why don't we just put a bunch of hormones in these cows and fill them with antibiotics and put them in these these warehouses where we can put about 5,000 cows in there and just, that sounds like a novel idea. And somebody must have said, you are brilliant. You're brilliant. I mean, my goodness, what does it do to the quality of the milk? Who cares? Just grow, get, grow cows and, you know, get as many cows as you can, put them all together and let's just go ahead and create this world, this area, this this industry that totally flies against what we did naturally for such a long time. And even though the article was is talking, and we're, we're going to keep talking about it, even though the article is talking about raw milk and how much you can take in a serving, this was just done part of the study. There will always be people who will do better on a little more, depending on their activity level. And some people do better on not, an, on, on not that much. That is individual. You cannot go by those measurements and say it's got to be this much. But what bothers me the most is that it is simply not available for those of us who say, hey, there is a history of using milk, milk products from animals that are treated well, and for those who want to use it, it should be available. Personally, I don't care too much for dairy. I do like butter, but and I may use a little bit of cream in my coffee at times, but in general, it's not that I need to consume a lot of dairy in order to feel good during the day, but that's me personally. But if people feel that they feel awesome on wholesome dairy, then they should have the right to do so. Good morning, Carla. Thanks for holding on here. What's your name? How can we help you? Good morning, Jacobus. This is Steve. Hey, Steve. Good morning to you. Uh, well, you know, when I was growing up, I had to go milk the cow. I had to bring it back, uh, strain the milk and through a strainer, and we had to run it through the milk separator and turn the handle and and... Then we took the cream, we had to make the, we had a butter churn, and we made our butter, we fed the cows um, out in the grass, you know, other than when we were 
were milking them. Only had one, so thank God I didn't have to milk more than that. But yeah. from my studies, when you pasteurize and homogenize milk, yeah. it is no longer compatible to the human body. That's, that's a good way of saying it, yes. The uh, uh, milk cartel, if you will, or the FDA police, whatever, that if you're selling raw milk, they want to come and throw you in jail. And I believe that there is a, uh, I don't know, you can't even call it a conspiracy, it's so obvious, that uh, healthy people, uh, the pharmaceutical companies can't make any money off of. Yes. And so you make them sick, uh, and they got to go to the doctor, and all that stuff, that's where the money is. Yes. And uh, and that's what's going on today. And I believe if people would drink raw milk from healthy cows, Yes. Uh, I remember I'd come in, and uh, it'd be hot, eastern Montana, 100 and some degrees, and we always had uh, milk in the refrigerator. I'd drink half a gallon. Yes. But uh, I never, I've never broken a bone. Um, and I rodeo, played football, um, done every rough sport that you can think of. Yes. And, and uh, I don't have any problems with, with my bones or anything else. Yeah. And, uh, and so most people today... They don't even know what raw milk is or yeah. where it comes from yeah. or anything else. And that's the problem I see with our health in this country. Yes. Yeah, you're right. Anyway. We, we don't even know where food is coming from most of the time. And, and I am sad at times that so much of our food is simply exported for whatever reason. And meanwhile, we're importing food that we don't know, there's no control over. Exactly. Well, don't you know, Jacobus, your food comes from the grocery store? Oh, aisle 10. Right. <laughs> All right, okay, Steve. Right. Thank- All right, you yeah. have a good day. Yeah, you as well. Have a good weekend. Bye-bye. Yeah. Good morning, caller. Thanks for joining the show. What's your name? How can we help you? Uh, yeah, this is Nelson Cameraman. And, uh, I'm hey, Nelson. I'm calling as I'm out here feeding my dairy cows this morning. Yes. And so I just kind of wanted to call in and and make a few comments. Or Please, so. Nelson. Got, yeah, go for it. Yeah, yeah. Hey, uh, you know, I as far as like drinking raw milk, done it all my life, still do every day, probably maybe more than some people think I should. Well, good for I you. Have, <laughs> I have a cup, probably at least a quarter or so a day. But yeah. Uh, but yeah, there's there's a few things that are just come up as people talk about this. I mean, Maria called in earlier and talked about whole scenes with udders dragging on the ground and milk loaded up with antibiotics and hormones and i mean it's it's a big time misconception to what people are thinking because i mean yes the the holstein breed has been bred to milk more but it's not the size of the bag that makes more milk we want a bag that's high and tight and and has capacity to hold up there so it's that's i mean like a big misconception a bigger bag does not make more milk okay in fact we breed away from that yes but the the thing the other thing too is the hormones and antibiotics 
that are in the milk. We don't give any hormones to the cows except for breeding to get cows bred back. They can get one shot only by the vet if he thinks she needs it. I mean, there were years when they were using BSP, but that hasn't been in Montana or anywhere around here for 10 years now. Okay. You know, and so, I mean, I think that's, that's one of those things that, that keeps getting thrown out. And, and so and it, it gives our industry a black eye. And I'll, I'll, our, our farm itself here is 650 cows, which people say, wow, that's a big cow, you know, our dairy big herd, in, yeah. a, in a shed or that. But compared to, yeah, you know, you go, go around the nation, it's not big. That We built in 2007. It's my dad, my brother, my uncle, and I. This is what a family farm looks like now. Yes. You know, it's not, it's not that this is some big, you know, let's see when, how fast we can get rich quick or that kind of thing. It's been a real struggle and so so i mean and i do think montana milk is is problem possibly of higher quality i mean we don't take pride in what we do but uh but yeah so i i just i just appreciate your show and appreciate talking about it and, and i think to me the biggest health issues that have come about is in the you know 70s and 80s when they kept saying you know dairy and fat is bad and people went from putting that gallon of milk on the table to putting a two liter of Coke out there. And there's a lot of people that still, you know, are doing that for their family dinners. And that, that to me is a lot more detrimental than drinking our, our milk. Yes. You know, that is a very interesting. And I've mentioned before that uh, on the website, realmilk.com, it says that sadly enough from a gallon of milk that comes out of the cow, uh, they're able now to make four gallons of products that you put on the sea on the shelf. And I think uh-huh. that you must look at that too and say, you know, that is that is weird. I mean, you drink the raw milk, so you know how wonderful that tastes, how it looks. Uh, it looks different than the milk that you find in the packaging. And I think personally that, um, uh, you know, your input is very valuable, and I really appreciate your call in, Nelson. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. The, the, one, yeah. Other, one other real quick yeah, thought on, on why they pasteurize and homogenize. Now, I mean, when you, you think back for thousands of years, they did that, but people are going to their backyard and milking their cow and drinking that milk fresh. Now, we have milk that sits on the shelf for, for 12, 15 days, you know, in Montana and 21-day labor available everywhere else. I mean, it, it just to keep the milk fresh. And so if you don't pasteurize, I think the milk is going to tend to sour before that amount of time when with more people living in urban settings. And so you're naturally going to, well, what I what I want to say, and I got to run, uh, Nelson, but yeah, no, uh, that no. is that is the issue with it should be a choice. That's what I think. But we got to go. I'm so sorry. I'll talk to you later. Okay. Very interesting debate. I shouldn't call it a debate. We're really all in agreement here. That's what I feel. And uh, people are just very uh, uh, generous with the comments today about uh, talking about dairy, uh, raw dairy. And it, it, again, I am. I feel that we have been stiff. Now, I really appreciate uh, Nelson Cameron's uh, call just now in which he says that even though they have 650 cows, that uh, the whole thing about hormones is very uh, r- exaggerated and uh, shouldn't be seen as such. However, it's, it's one thing that we have the cows produce all this milk, but I believe that he also sees that the homogenization and 
pasteurization is a process that you have to wonder about. And my last comment to him was, it should be freedom of choice. And this is what I think. I have had raw milk in my fridge, and I would drink that by myself, uh, like a quart or something or half a gallon. I could drink that within a week. And I go, okay, I hear what you're saying. You, <laughs> if you, If you get a sticky bun at a bakery... Okay, if that's what you like to eat, you have a sticky bun at the bakery, you're not going to leave it on your counter for a week and expect it still tastes just as good as it was when it was there before. If you take meat and you put meat out either in the fridge for a week or 10 days, it's not going to taste as good as it was when you bought it fresh. There are simply raw foods. If I look at my vegetables that I buy at local grocery stores, the vegetables are really not always that good anymore after about a week or 10 days. So when you say, well, we need to ultra-pasteurize and homogenize the milk, then I say, I get it, but why? Why exactly? The the convenience that people have of saying, I'm going to the store once a week or once every two weeks, and most people will go within the week. Can you not consume that raw milk, that raw dairy within a week? If you cannot, then you bought too much. Then next week, buy a little bit less. Or say, you know what? I realize that that last cup of milk that I have left in this court is maybe not that good anymore. I'm going to toss it out. I don't like to waste food, but I would rather toss out a, a cup at the end of my, let's say a week, 10 days, than that I have no choice of buying raw milk when I want it. So for me, and I hope you understand in this case, Nelson, but there's more people who think that way. We have to protect itself. It's the same. No, it's not the same. I cannot compare it completely. I simply want to stick with this. If you can drink, if you buy raw milk and you like raw milk from grass-fed cows, and that's very important here, the grass-fed cows makes all the difference. So, and I think that maybe part of the deal was, Nelson, in this case, I'm talking to you, but it doesn't matter. I could talk to anybody. One of the worries that we have is that there is extra fortifying food given to the cows that may help them to put on some extra meat and it may actually affect the milk as well. The, the, the preference is that you have cows who, drink, who, who eat grass and then you milk them. So the quality of the milk is really based on the high grass content which is rich in CLA or conjugated linoleic acid, which is very healthy for us. If we start feeding the cows a lot of grains, and I understand in the wintertime, you still give them the hay, but if you give them the, the grass or the, you give them the, 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 the fortified food, maybe there are things in there that would not benefit the quality of the dairy. I'm not an expert on that. It is just how my mind works, and I'm just thinking about thinking out loud over here. 
But I want to come back in a nutshell before we go to our caller. If the if the argument is that when you buy milk that is raw and it only has a lifetime a refrigerated span of let's say 10 days people will they be able to drink that within 10 days well number one if you do if you don't then you bought too much buy less next time or go to the store twice a week or do whatever but you should have that freedom to buy milk and just like i said if you buy meat and you leave it out you don't freeze it you leave it out after 10 days, it starts to smell and actually it may feel a little slimy and sticky after 10 days. So not ideal to eat it anymore. And vegetables and fruit, fresh fruit, raspberries, strawberries, you leave them in the fridge for an X amount of time. They start to get wrinkly. They lose their plumpness. They lose their flavor. Uh, they they lose their, their strength. Also in the lettuce and vegetables. So what do we need to do with that? if that doesn't have the shelf life. So I feel the choice for raw milk should be there and it should be readily available in grocery stores and not somewhere in a hidden alley where they say it is available. Good morning, caller. I thank you for your patience. What is your Hello. name, please? This is Aaron. What's your name? Aaron. Hey, Aaron. Good morning to you. How you doing, man? Doing well. Thank you. You know, I, uh, I milked a cow for a couple of years, uh, not too long ago, a few years ago, and we drank uh, raw milk, and uh, there is a big difference in it. Um, the whole milk, I didn't separate it because it, just, it tasted a lot better. Oh, it is. Uh, just it's... shaking it up and uh, drinking it. And it was really good. And you really have no problem going through, especially if you go out and, and, and get it yourself. You know, I didn't um, hand squeeze it. You know, we had a, a milking machine, a vacuum yeah. Deal that hung under the udders. But, um, you know, if you go out and get it yourself, it, it seemed like I'd go through a gallon of that stuff a day. And it was just, it was good. But, um, you know, you talk about grain fed versus grass fed. Yeah. Um, I have a, I, well, I have two questions. I have two statements, questions, kind of ponderances. Um, a, uh, corn is the largest grass on the planet, right? It's just a grass corn seed is a grass seed. Um, all these grains, they're just basically grasses. They're the seeds of the grasses. So is, right? I mean, am I, am I right? Well, you're not feeding the cows the grass. You're feeding them the grain. The seed from the grass. You're feeding them the corn kernels. Right, the seed. So, I mean, at a certain time of year, if a grass, was, if a cow is out in, in, in the uh, plains of the United States pre-European settling, um, that cow is going to be out where corn is growing wild and they're going to be eating that corn. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's just how it is. I mean, it's, you know, I, mean, I think we, I think we get, we make this a little too complicated and we vilify like grain products. Um, the fact that when you feed them solely that there's, there's obviously something missing in the combination required when you feed them just the seed. Um, they need the stock, uh, all the other stuff with it, and and in season, you know, when the seeds are on the corn, uh, that's probably when the cows ate it naturally. Um, yeah. But I don't know. It, it, it's it, there's there's a there's a combination there. It seems like that um, is not being discussed to make it healthy, so that you can feed 
these grains. And so there's just a better understanding of it. But anyway, uh, I wanted to say that. And I also wanted to say that we live out of town. And so we have to buy our vegetables in kind of bulk. And when you get the organic, you know, they last two days and then you end up throwing a bunch of it out. My wife says, you got to quit buying that stuff. Yeah. I'm thinking, my God, yeah. we need to think about that as well. You know, I mean, why is this other vegetable, why is this non-organic vegetable lasting two weeks in this fridge where this organic stuff is uh, going bad in three days? I mean, what's going on there? Yeah, uh, it's, yeah it's I mean, that is probably the reason, this. that's probably the reason why my vegetables go downhill so quickly. Because, oh, yeah. yes, I do buy the organic stuff. Yeah, and they're supposed to go down quickly. You know, you just got to, you got to, it, it's really weird what we've done with our food supply. I mean, if we did this with anything else, people would look at us like we're retards. But when you take and you ship a tomato from Mexico in July, when with all the technology we have, that just seems ridiculous. It's picked green, it gets here, it's still kind of yellow. Yeah. But there's, there's no nutrients in it, you know, it's, it's I think every community needs to produce its own food as best it can and bring in as little as possible. You know, when you talk about shipping food, you know, if there's 10,000 calories in that trailer, but they're burning, you know, 700 gallons of fuel to get it around the nation, it just doesn't really make much sense. Does it, it doesn't make much sense. You're absolutely right, Aaron. That, that, is, that is my point. It makes absolutely no sense that we are growing food in this country and shipping it worldwide, really, right. while we're importing similar food from other countries to nourish our people. It makes no sense to me. It doesn't. You know, we have all these school trust lands out here, um, acres, you know, sections upon sections. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of ways that that could be utilized um, and to create gardens, you know, and put greenhouses on them so that Bozeman could um, create its own food yeah. for the majority of the season and um, three-fourths its own and keep all that money local. You know, and you end up with a stronger economy because the, the truth of the matter is uh, when you have, if California had a massive earthquake that, or a freeze that destroyed all its fruit, you know, you, you kind of wipe out a huge section of where we get our food. So there's nothing to really fall back on when you have everything uh, non-localized and yeah, but you have uh, a long, you have a big coast. I mean, it doesn't always have to come just from California. I mean, Oregon I, has great growing, Florida has great growing. I just right. don't know why we need to get so much stuff out of the other countries. And and it, it when you think economically, or when you think otherwise, uh, when I when I used to be in macrobiotics a long time ago, you pretty much eat what grows in season. And so right. we have this uh, we have this craving that we have to have pineapples in the middle of winter and bananas and oranges. And you could right. say, well, those are fruit for the summertime. And, um, you know, and they, if they don't grow here, why do we eat them? So you adjust to where you are. It will be more, it's going to be more hearty food when you live in the area where we live. But in the summertime, when people grow their gardens and get their vegetables and fruits out of it, you know, that may be a good way to uh, to consume the food and, 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 and get local, buy local. So uh, it's, it's uh, I, I'm probably not covering everything i need to say on this topic but it that is to me there are certain things that just make no sense how we run the food economy 
Well, I'll make one more point, and this is kind of against the the Democrat mentality of this valley. They all tout Cuba's health care system. And what happened in Cuba after Castro took over is they got, um, uh, we basically put a fence around them and told them, you ain't bringing anything in and you ain't taking anything out because you're a, a dictator. Yeah. And what that did is they don't have mechanized agriculture. And so they have these concrete troughs that are 100 feet long all over the, the country, and all their food is grown by hand by people in those troughs, and it's all organic. They don't have pesticides put on it. They don't have um, anything to uh, to help them with this. And like I said, it's non-mechanized. Their, their vehicles over there are friggin' 1969 Volkswagen bugs, right? So they don't have tractors. They don't have this this monoculture um, growing system that we have. And then I guess my point is that their healthcare system sucks. I mean, we subsidize any medicine they do get by paying higher prices. But the reason that they don't have to have such uh, such a high quality healthcare system is because they have just the most awesome food you can imagine to eat. They're putting in the best quality food. Yeah. That even though they sit sit around and smoke those Cubans, you know, cigars all day long, they still don't get cancer from it because they're eating live, fresh, wonderful food. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, I don't know. I don't know the details, but it, uh, the comment, the comment makes sense. Yes, I will. Thanks, right, Aaron. Okay. Bye. bye. So I, I, uh, let's see here. So the American Heart Association on milk, yogurt, and cheese still insists that adults shoot up for two to three servings of fat-free, zero-fat, no-fat, non-fat milk, dairy products, and children, teenagers, and older adults should have four servings per day. So that is still the philosophy. And this is what I said before, that I feel that when it it comes to modern medicine, Western medicine, the food industry, these are very sluggish institutions. They just do not stay up to date with the literature. They, when they've come up with the principle, when Ansel Keys came up with this idea that saturated fats were bad for you, I mean, that literature was printed like overnight. But somehow, the new literature to debunk all the fat-free, low-fat, no-fat crap that is out there is literally not printed fast enough, and they're just holding on to their old principles that haven't worked. But it makes you realize that there is more to this whole story because there are different institutions that are in bed with each other and that protect each other. It's all conditional. And so, again, it shows you that we need to be individuals who should have an interest in ourselves, who should have an interest in ourselves first before we take care of everybody else. It just doesn't work that we first take care of the world before we take care of ourselves. And I simply feel that if more people would actually focus on taking care of their own body, it would improve what health is all about instead of others taking care of our health care. When I hear people say, we need health care, I go, 
what are you talking about? First of all, healthcare starts with yourself. If you care about your own health, then that is healthcare. That's what it says. It doesn't mean that somebody cares for your health. Nobody cares for your health. Shouldn't be the case. I said before, if your doctor cares more about your health than you do, there is a serious problem and you literally will get what you deserve. That sounds really harsh, but it is what it is. You, some people never get sick. They never go to a doctor. They never get sick. Why? Eh, combination of reasons. Some people are always sick. Those are the people definitely that should say, what can I do to improve my own health care? And I think one of the things is what you put in your mouth. It's not about vitamins. It's not about supplements all the time. I gave a lecture the other week, and I talked to somebody after the lecture uh, five days later, and she said that she was sitting next to a gentleman who, who was listening, and I was literally just talking about digestion, and I was talking about... Um, you know, overall health and things that you could do for brain health and things for insomnia, things that happen when you get older. And this person was listening to my show, to, to the presentation and said, well, all he wants to do is sell vitamins. And I go, it was almost a slap in the face because I specifically didn't even mention where I work, what I do otherwise, besides giving lectures. And so I thought it was, that is if that is how people listen to the show, to this show, and say, well, the only reason why you're on is because you want to sell vitamins. That is ridiculous. And most, most of you know that I don't even talk about um, what else I do. So for me, it is simply a, if I can share information that's out there, it's about what can you do today, today to improve something in your health, be it mental, spiritual, physical, emotional, whatever it is, what can you do to improve the quality of your life today? Start with that. You have to take care of yourself because otherwise you cannot take care of other people. And that is an issue that too often comes up that people are running for everybody else and they don't take care of themselves. It's not an ego thing. This is not egotistical. This is not narcissistic. This is simply first take care of yourself. Now, don't ignore your fellow person. Don't ignore them. Don't be narcissistic and only take care of yourself. But what can you do to improve your health? Would you be able to save money in from the healthcare system that everybody wants to talk about and screams about, could you save money from the healthcare system? If you take care of yourself, you may be able to cancel your doctor's appointment for the middle of December because, let's face it, most people have to wait two to three months before they can see the doctor. Can you imagine what you could actually do if you... <laughs> If you make changes today, how you will feel in two months from now, mid-December, you could totally be a different person. You could be a different person emotionally, the way you relate to others, the way you take care of your body. And if you do that in two and a half months, 
Can you imagine what it could be in two and a half years? Can you imagine what it would be in two and a half decades? Some of you feel, well, I'm not going to live that long anymore. But still, today is the first day of the rest of your life. What can you do to improve the quality of life? In 2003, a study in the New England Journal of Medicine found that when people focus more on healthy fats and less on non-vegetable carbs, it improved insulin sensitivity and fasting gl blood glucose. It also stabilized the A1C or the average blood glucose test for diabetic patients. Uh, according to a 2015 study in the Journal of Allergy and Clinical Immunology, children who drink raw milk, which is typically full fat, have lower rates of viral and respiratory tract infections, including regular colds, fevers, and respiratory infections by around 30%. So, 2015 study in the Journal of Allergy and Clinical Immunology. Children who drink raw milk, which is typically full fat, lower rates of viral and respiratory tract infections, including regular colds, fevers, and respiratory infections, more than 30%. This is simply something that you have in control. Give it a try. And what do you have to lose? So when we come back, so much more to talk about. Two hours done, one hour to go. Stay tuned. We will be right back. I want to uh, say a couple more things here about the article and actually several of the articles that I have. Uh, one article is also from 2015. It was October 4th, so it was actually pretty much three years ago when this article was written. Today is, April, is uh, October 6th, and it is an interview with a medical doctor. His name is Dr. William Winter, who is eminently qualified to speak on the topic. He expounds on the health benefits and safety of raw milk, and he is not only a veterinarian, he is also a livestock nutritionist, holistic herd health consultant and a chapter leader for the Western A. Price Foundation. He has also written a book for veterinarians called The Holistic Veterinary Handbook, which was published in 1986, but is currently out of print. The Holistic Veterinary Handbook. Now, three years later, it may be back in print. According to Dr. Winter, raw milk is, quote, the most beautiful substance in the food world, unquote. The same cannot be said for pasteurized milk. Unfortunately, raw milk has been wrongfully demonized as hazardous, primarily by the conventional dairy industry and those who do not understand the health benefits of live foods. Laws relating to raw milk sales vary by state. According to realmilk.com, states where raw milk is still illegal by sale, cow share or herd share or as Pet milk include uh, Hawaii, Nevada, Montana, Iowa. Well, Montana now got, it's legal now, they say, but it's still not easy. Iowa, Louisiana, West Virginia, Maryland, New Jersey, Delaware, and Rhode Island. He says, I recommend everyone listening to the show to join the Farm to Consumer Legal Defense Fund. Farm to Consumer Legal Defense Fund, the FTC LDF. Because these are pro bono lawyers who are helping farmers to stay out of jail and helping their life change. 
Um, it is also important to understand that in order for raw milk to be healthy and safe, it must come from healthy, organically raised cows that graze on pasture. So Aaron earlier called and said he doesn't know what the big deal is about grains. Cows are not used to eating grains. Naturally, they are more grass eaters. Uh, what the research did on grass, if you have grass, healthy grass, it is rich in this fat CLA, which helps in the breakdown of some of these proteins, but also inside our body, it helps to not store some of the uh, the, the, uh, the, the, the the allergens, the possible allergens in our body. It helps to break them down. It also helps to break down fat in the system. Grain has a tendency to be actually only, grains only contain omega-6s. They have no omega-3 in them. And omega-6s in the long run, as they sit in the meat, become inflammatory. And I think, therefore, that one of the reasons why people are more inflamed is because of the consumption of meat that has been fed grains in order to fatten them. And that was maybe one thing that when Nelson Cameron called in, again, Nelson, I really appreciate you called in. He is the dairy farmer in the area. I think that maybe not as much as injecting cows with hormones, there is an issue of feeding cows the grains that have a tendency to fatten the cow and actually affect some of the quality of the milk. So it's not a personal criticism. It's more a, an overall criticism of how the dairy industry has been changed, manipulated, call it, um, by giving the, the cows as much grain as they do. Now, I understand wintertime, and we have long winters here. It's very hard to get all the dairy, to get all the grass out. Uh, so it is understandable that the cows do eat the hay and that they get some extra food to fortify. It is just what it is. But we can determine how much that is going to be. And I do believe that if you have grains that come from some kind of a big lot, you don't know how much of that has fermented or molded if it sits in big silos with the changes of the weather. I don't know. I'm not an expert. It's just my mind is working that way. Okay, before we go on, we have a caller on hold who likes to chime in. Good morning, caller. What's your name? How can we help you? Good morning, Scobus. This is Pete. Hey, Pete. Good morning to you. Yeah, same to you. Thank you. Um, you know, I grew up with raw milk. Didn't kill me. And if you stop and think about it, if you go way back and look at our ancestors, we've been inventing weapons to kill meat forever. Yeah. And we're not grazers, we're meat eaters. Yes. You know, but and I, and I agree with the, the, you know, the whole quality of, quality of the meat and, and this and that. But, but the other thing, to get back to what Aaron was saying, is, is this. My, when I was a young man, my father-in-law bought a dairy farm. It was no longer a dairy farm. They had chickens and, and cows in the beginning. But he bought the property, and we had to... Um, into the old farmhouse and remodel it. He was the contractor. And we get down to everybody back in those days had a, what they called a bulkhead. And it was to access your basement from the outside. Okay. Usually it was two doors that, that slipped open, one left and one right. Right. And you went down the steps into the basement. Sure. 
Well, you, 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 actually, the, you actually see those, see those things in creepy movies. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly. But anyway, the, the, uh, we get down in there, and when they were gutting the upstairs of the house, and a couple of us went down there to start in the basement, because it was a pretty big mess. And my father-in-law comes down, and he looks, and there's all these canned, jarred tomatoes along the shelf going down that bulkhead. There was shelves and shelves. There's probably two dozen jars of just tomatoes, huh. you know, canning jars. And he says, oh, he says, he says, put them in the wheelbarrow and haul them up to the dumpster. I'm there, whoa, what, why? What do you mean, haul them up to the dumpster? He says, throw them. He says, they can't be good. He says, those were put up by Mrs. Peck. He says, they've probably been down here for 15 years. I said, I don't care if they've been down here for 15 years. And I cracked a, cracked a jar right there started eating them, and he says, man, he says, I wouldn't eat that. I said, I said, there's nothing wrong with them. I said, these things are delicious. You were a rebellious and, kid. Yeah, I was. And 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 uh, I took them all. I took them all, and we ate every one of them. There was <laughs> nothing wrong with them. They're excellent. Yeah. But you can't get a tomato that tastes like a tomato today unless you grow it yourself, and even then, you got to, you know, watch where you get your seeds. Yes. They just don't taste like tomatoes, and I know what a tomato tastes like. I grew up with them. Yeah. And the, but the people back there, they grew their gardens, they ate out of their gardens, and what they couldn't eat out of the garden was put up. I see. It was preserved. Yeah. So you could have that stuff all winter long. Yeah. But you don't see that anymore. There's very few. I know there's more people getting into it now probably than, than before, yeah. but you just don't see it. Everybody did it when I was a kid growing up. Yeah. Everybody had a little garden, some big gardens, and everybody can't. You know, they put yeah. stuff up. Yeah, you're you right. Don't, you don't see that anymore. Yes. And that's, I mean, I hardly ever. I understand that society has changed, that we have changed as a people, that we have been accustomed to all the conveniences. I understand all that. But I know there are still people who would love to take on raw farming, raw milk, would like to sell the raw milk, you know, and have no way to really bring it to the big market and that is well, something that frustrates me because you take it away from people who need it and who desire it and who are willing to pay for it and so the people in the city can of course can't grow a garden they're sol but uh and even when i was a kid i ate i will guarantee you that i ate three times as many raw vegetables as cooked vegetables yeah i mean we were always in the garden Mm-hmm. We, there was a bunch of us that built a cabin on a lake, it j- just, you know, a shack. We were kids. And uh, we, we cut a hole through the island down to water. Huh. And all summer long, we would catch bullfrogs, put them in the hole. We had a chicken wire lid on it, and we'd put them down in the hole, and we'd keep them. And in the fall, when the gardens came ripe, we'd go out raiding gardens. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and we'd have ourselves a little feast up there, frog legs and sweet corn and you name it, tomatoes yeah. and everything else. Yeah. But I doubt that anybody does. You probably get shot out doing that. <laughs> but back in those days, that's just the neighborhood kids leave them out. And it was great. Yeah. But uh, I feel bad for the people who live in the city who don't have the opportunity to do exactly that. And I realize so, that. But uh, there should still be the availability for them, too, to get what, if that's what they desire. <laughs> Uh, to get that. And we can do it. It's, it's yeah. not hard. You know, there's, there's farms. Uh, you don't have to go far out of the big cities. You There are farms. 
Yeah. That there are people growing gardens. You know, we have the farmer's market right here, two of them. Yes. You know, it's awesome. Yeah, it is. But uh, Thanks, you Pete. understand, you are what you eat. Yes, you are what you absorb. Thanks for the call. <laughs> you bet. Okay, bye. As I was just uh, reading the article from Dr. William, Dr. William Winter, uh, who is a, a veterinarian doctor, um, drinking unpasteurized. Okay, so yes, it's important to understand that in order for raw milk to be healthy and safe, it must come from healthy, organically raised cows that graze on pasture. And uh, so that was, that's a, that's a key. Uh, I mean, again, I understand it's not always possible. You do the best you can with what you have. It's, but in an ideal world, it would be great if the cow grazes on, uh, grazes on grass and that you get that milk and that meat. Drinking unpasteurized milk, drinking un pasteurized milk from cows raised in a confined animal feeding operation, a CAFO, might well be lethal. And the reason for this is due to the differences in the way the cows are raised and fed. A cow's natural diet is primarily grass. When a cow eats a lot of grain, and here we go, and Aaron, that was something I was looking for. I know the information was out here. I just couldn't pull it up as quickly as I want it. So I'm sorry about that. But when you mentioned grains are okay, I think that for cows, it doesn't really work that way. A cow's natural diet is primarily grass. When a cow eats a lot of grain, three adverse events happen. Number one, the cow becomes uh, acidotic or acidic. Number two, it becomes overprotonated, which harms the cow's kidneys. As a result... The cow can only provide milk for 1.7 lactations, which is 44 months after which she gets slaughtered. Oh, that's really interesting. I wonder why they slaughter them so quickly. By the way, 20, 44 months is still, that's still three and a half years. You know, my, 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 my father-in-law used to have this one cow. She was 15 feet. Well, when we would guide her from the uh, field, the grass field, the pasture, I should say, down the streets, <laughs> through the outskirts of town, we bring them back home for the winter time. We didn't even have to stay with her. She knew the way back without a problem. She'd be moving all the way down the street. It was just funny to watch. And then the other cows, as soon as she came around the corner, she still had about 150 yards to go. She'd be moving. All the other cows are moving. They all knew this Irma was coming. So, uh, of course, she, uh, she's not around anymore. But at that time, she was 15, which was pretty cool. Uh, it becomes overprotonated, which harms the cow's kidneys. As a result, the cow can only provide milk for 1.7 lactations, which is 44 months after which she gets slaughtered. And number three, grain can contain mold, mycotoxins that can make the animal sick, which is what I just said. I didn't even read the note on that one. So sorry about that. But that is, we need to protect... We need to have food in silos, but you got that kind of pressure on the bottom part of the grains, which is the first one you grab. That pressure and the temperature differences can really affect the quality of the grain and it can start to mold. Grass-fed organic milk tends to be yellowish, 
not pure white. The coloration comes from the natural antioxidant carotenoids, which are found in the grass. And these are a precursor to vitamin A. Raw grass-fed milk is also high in omega-3 fats while being low in inflammatory omega-6s. So, as we just talked about it, 6s is in grains, 3 is in grass. It also contains conjugated linoleic acid, CLA, which has a number of health-promoting benefits. Uh, so, these are just some thoughts. Now, one of the, I would say, do some more research. In this case, I found these articles, these several articles, on the website from Dr. Joseph Mercola. So, one is mercola.com, and you can write down the uh, the article, but I would say I'll give you the date. Uh, it's called, it's full fat, is full fat dairy good for your heart? But if you just go to the search engine and put in 2018, September 24, 0924, you will find the different articles that were published, and then you can find this one. The other one was a link out of that article, and it takes you to 2015, October 4, which is Livestock Nutritionist Defense Raw Milk Safety. Now, one thing that I would like to say is in last year alone, there were several tries to get milk safe in Montana. The, in uh, June, let me see here, in April 2017, April 12, there was an article by Food Safety News. It was called Sales of Raw Milk Remain Illegal Under Montana's Big Sky. Uh, it says House Bill 325, which would have provided a small herd exemption for raw milk sales, is probably dead for the legislative session after failing Tuesday to get a majority vote on second reading in the Montana Senate. Uh, sponsored by State Rep Nancy Balance, House Bill 325 passed the Montana House on February 22nd on a 69 to 30 vote. Uh, Nancy Balance is a Republican from Hamilton, first elected in 2012. She managed the bill with some flexibility by making changes to accommodate concerns picked up by both the House and Senate Agriculture Committees before failing to launch it in the Senate second reading vote. Blah, blah, blah. Okay, so uh, then on June 22nd, there was another article that showed up in HelenaAir.com, HelenaAir, HelenaAir.com, an opinion piece by a Chris Rosano. It's a lady, Rosano, Rosnow, Chris Rosnow. And it, said, it is, why is Montana still criminalizing, criminalizing raw milk? What, wor what words come to mind when thinking of Montana? For me, beauty, rugged independence, agriculture, recreation, what does not come to mind is freedom. Are you happy when people give power through elections and appointments mandate? So she goes on. She says, okay, Montana is one of eight states left criminalizing, criminalizing raw milk. This despite the CDC outbreak data and the last decade of science proving that raw milk is as safe or safer than foods we eat daily. 
Unlike other foods, raw milk is a complete food with antibacterial properties that kill pathogens. Heifer International demonstrates that people in third world countries thrive on it. History shows it has been consumed for 10,000 plus years. As the primary author of the Montana Raw Milk Bill put forth in the last three sessions, I know that we have literally thousands of raw milk drinkers in the underground market with a stellar safety record per CDC, with seven individuals in the last 20 years allegedly acquiring salmonella from raw milk. Now, one of the most common foodborne illnesses usually is acquired from poultry and eggs. So uh, the bill has always had strict standards to please the legislature. The session, let me say, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take the call because we're coming close to a break. Good morning, caller. I give you the preference. What's your name? How can we help you? Yes, I just was going to give a couple of comments on the dairy industry. Yeah, you bet. Uh, and and organic milk, etc. You have to admit, I'm probably not much of a fan of organic milk. Having drunk the stuff since I was a kid and lived in the Gallatin Valley. Yeah. Uh, usually, to me, the milk that we get today is produced in much larger quantities, but the milk is actually a much safer product. It's tested more often. And uh, it has, I think, adequate nutrients for almost everybody. And as far as raw milk goes, the biggest issue is uh, health issues for the general populace. If you produce raw milk and sold it as a retail market, yeah, you are liable for every little cold and sneeze and whistle and whatnot all that people would get off of that. And uh, nobody's going to take that risk. It's, it's just not affordable. That's all there is to it. And but, as far but, as cows go in yeah. the Elton Valley, yeah. you you really can't raise them on grass. Obviously, you can't year-round because the grass goes away and we have six months of, bluntly put, winter weather or inclement weather where you have to feed them supplements. Right, and, and, I, and that is something I mentioned. I said, uh, yeah. you know, you have to feed them hay, and I yeah. understand that at times you will have to feed them some support food as well. Uh, so, oh, yeah. no, I'm yeah. aware of that, but it is... There is still there is still a contingency of people who say they like raw milk, they would like raw milk, and somehow it's made very difficult for people to get it. And I think that, yep. uh, yeah, so there's a combination of things at play. Yep, and I think there's a milk board in the state of Montana, and I think that would probably be the best place to start if yep. you wanted to rectify that. But I have uh, several friends that would not mind doing that to a certain extent, but economically it's not real viable either. And having said that, the milk cow that we had when I was a kid, so to speak, uh, 50, 60 years ago, the one you got today, our milk cow, it produced, oh, let's say... uh, I got to run. I got to run. I got to run. Sorry. See you later. Thank you. Bye-bye. What an interesting uh, conversation, I think, about the raw dairy. And it is, uh, you know, there is nothing wrong with having a good good communication about it. Now, it says in an article from August 5, 2017, that Montana becomes the 43rd state to legalize raw milk distribution. So that is an interesting thing because it doesn't say, per se, sales. It says on August 1st, it says Montana has become the 43rd state to legalize raw milk distribution, doing so through a method that no other state has adopted. Montana residents can now get legal access to raw milk 
through purchasing securities, giving them ownership interest in a dairy animal or dairy animals. Dairy farmers wanting to sell stock in their animals need to obtain an exemption from the state securities registration requirement. The farmers fill out an application for the exemption with the Office of the Commissioner of Securities and Insurances, OCSI. OCSI has granted exemptions for stock offerings of dairy animals in the past, including one in 2016. Uh, But the Montana Department of Livestock, DOL, which has jurisdiction over dairy production and sales, had left open the possibility of taking enforcement action against producers under the exemption. So it does mention Chris Rosano, whose article I was reading earlier. She was instrumental in forging the breakthrough on the DOL policy. Rosano has led the effort to pass raw milk bill by the last three legislative sessions in Montana. And the the stock offerings to ownership in four cows with 25 solicitations, meaning a maximum of 25 stockholders per offering. It's not clear at this point how many goats could be included in an offering, but the number is probably around the same as four cows. You know, this is what I have a problem with. You either say it's legal or you say it's illegal. If you say it's illegal, then defend it. Then say why it needs to be illegal. Because once you say it's legal, then don't put restrictions on it. In my opinion, you don't put, I mean, listen, there are other things that you can do. You know, you can you can go to a bar and you drink milk. Or if you drink uh, not milk, well, maybe some people do straight out of the tap. You go to a bar, you drink alcohol, but the state law says you cannot drink it outside the bar. You cannot be out on the street with an open container. You can have it and you cannot have it in your car. So I understand when there are certain restrictions, but but don't say it is legal. You can buy stock in a cow if you could also make it available for whoever doesn't want to buy stock in a cow, but just says, you know what? I need some milk. I want to buy it. There is a bottle right there. That's a quart or it's a half gallon of raw milk. And I want to buy that. Why do you all of a sudden put restrictions on where the milk is going to be available? To me, that makes no sense. You either agree with it or you, you say it doesn't, it's not allowed. Again, I don't know how you feel about it, but that to me is important. I thought the comment made by this Dr. William Winter about why it is not a good idea to feed cows grains, I think that is really important. And the the last caller who said, you know, talked about organic milk, and he said there are dangers in raw milk, I would like to understand why there are dangers in raw milk. I want to go back to the fact that long time ago, and not even, I say long time ago, let's say more than 50 years ago, that is long for some people, that is just around the corner for others, that raw milk was available. The milk wasn't always pasteurized and homogenized. And we did not start to pasteurize and homogenize milk because so many people were dying from it, right? But for whatever reason, you you know, it's not about that I won't point fingers at conspiracies or follow the money trail, but come on, folks. There is so much has happened, so many industries 
have started to lock arms to protect each other's interest that the consumer has simply become the person, the individual, the individuals that just have to roll with the punches, good or bad. We're being told what is good when people could say, look you in the eyes and say, you know, especially farmers. Farmers don't take any bull crap from anybody. They just say, you know, we work on the land. We work with these animals. We know what works. We know how it is. Don't tell me the wind is coming from the west when I clearly know it's coming from the northeast. So don't fool me, buddy. And I feel that many of us have lost the common sense when it, when it comes to something like this. Some industry, somebody at some point realized that if we start feeding animals other food, some of that food that is being given to these animals has been genetically modified. It doesn't have the full panel of nutrients. And because of that, we see that the animals start, may have the cows the, 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 and some other animals that we use for meat, even pork, has been manipulated. Now, not everybody has that. So I got to be very careful when I make a statement like that because some people will say, no, wait a second, that is, uh, that's not completely true. But when you put something that has been genetically modified in a negative way, feed it to either people or animals, it starts to deteriorate tissue. And when it deteriorates tissue over time, not one meal, but weeks, months, years, you will have an effect on tissue and tissue regeneration. And what happens then is when you talk about animals, the product that comes out of the animal, either in this case milk or the meat, that has had an effect. So when we consume that milk or that meat, we are going to be exposed to that and it may have an effect on our being on our cells and on our health. So then there is an industry that comes out and says, well, we can help you with that when we inject you with this or when we take care of the animal like that or we're going to use high heat or we're going to put 25 filters in there so we dilute this product to almost like water and then still sell it to you for what it is, milk. I mean, anybody drinking skim milk, that's not milk. If, if it's, it's so watered down, there is no, no proteins left. There is just nothing in that milk that could, be, that could be beneficial to you. And um, I got a text message from somebody who says, hey, people did die of uh, milk fever. And I'm not saying that's not true, but people die. You know, let's call, let's, let's call it that way. People die. And some people want to die. They don't want to live over 50. Some people don't, they want to live to be 100 plus. Some people have goals in life where they say, we want to live a long life. There are people who don't want to live long. I don't know why these people died, if it was because of milk fever, or if their immune system was already compromised, and now they got a fever and they died, we blame it on the milk. I don't know the details. 
I take it on face value. Somebody says people have died of milk fever. That's the case. I accept that. That still doesn't take away that the history of raw dairy and the quality of the, of the, of the nutrients that you find in milk, specifically of animals that have been eating grasses, natural grasses, that, have, that is not homogenized and pasteurized, if people would like to use that choice to improve their, their health, then I think that should be possible. And sadly enough, the government says, yes, over here in Montana, the legislature says, yes, it can be, it is available, it's raw, use it. At the same time, they say, but we have all these restrictions. And to me, that makes no sense. So, if anybody else would like to uh, talk about raw milk, I can uh, I can tell you a couple more things because now I have a feeling we're not going to get to many more talks. So, good morning, caller. What's your name? How can we help you? Uh, yes, uh, Del- Delbert Cameron. So, I heard my son talk to Nelson Cameron earlier this morning. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm his dad. I just want to mention a couple things that he, he missed on. Uh, one is with antibiotics in milk or hormones in milk. Uh, that's impossible because ever since the uh, night, late 1960s, I started dairy in 1960. Yes. And uh, we're not allowed to have even a trace, none, of no antibiotic in the milk. Yeah. And it gets tested every day. Every time we ship milk, it gets tested. If there's positive, the milk gets dumped and we get we don't get paid for it. So you say that is still the way it is today, or you say that is how it used to be? No, none. None. Zero. Uh-huh. And that's been that way for a long time. It's not just today. That's been back for 30 or 40 years. Excellent. Well, that is so, important news. Are yeah, you, well, it is. Are, I, you a, are you a fan of raw milk? Uh, yeah, well, we, can't, we don't sell raw milk. We're not allowed to, but we I drink know. raw milk ourselves all the time. Yes, it's the best, isn't it? Well, yes, but, you know, the, the milk in the store is good, too, but the only reason it's not quite as good, even the whole milk in the store, is only 3.25% butter fat. Yes. Our raw milk will be almost 4% butter fat, and it's the butter fat that makes things taste better. Correct. And it's it has... like your, your premium ice cream. The only thing that makes an ice cream premium, it has more fat in it. Yes. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Well... So I just, but I just want, especially when make, uh, make sure you're clear on that antibiotic thing, because there's none in the milk. Well, I that's appreciate not, that. Not just Mon- that's not just Montana, that's U.S.-wide. That is great. I, I, I think that more than anything, and if I have indeed stated, made that statement, which I know I have said, hormones and antibiotics, but I'm glad that you cleared that up. But what still bothers a lot of people is that milk is being homogenized and pasteurized, and it does affect the structure of the milk, and it does affect the nutrients of the milk when you start using heat, high heat, because there is a fear. For me, if you say there is no antibiotics in the milk, if there is no, if there are no growth hormones in the milk, um, the RBGH growth hormone that everybody was is crying about that has been that has been uh, proven to be in the milk. If you say it's not in there, it's never been in there. Then why is there such an issue with letting people ro- take raw milk? And why is there then such an issue that people start going? Uh, uh, why does the milk have to be homogenized and pasteurized? Then 
if it is so healthy coming straight out of the cow. Well, the reason they you know, start pasteurization was to kill a bacteria in the milk, any bad bacteria that are in the milk. That's why that, though you go with pasteurization. But if you're if you do a if you uh, do a clean, healthy job of milking, you don't have those in there. And uh, that's why we drink raw milk all the time. Never, I've been drinking all my life, and I'm over 70 years old. Good for I've you. Never, never yeah. been sick from raw milk yet, ever. Yeah. yeah. But, you know... And, I, and as far as this, this milk fever thing, I kind of laugh when I heard that. Uh, there is no such thing as a human being getting milk fever. Okay. Well, uh, I've, I've never heard of it before, So, but I brought it up because somebody texted it to me. Well, there is such a thing as milk fever, but the only thing that gets milk fever is the cow. And sometimes right after calving, their calcium level in their blood is not quite high enough, and then they get what they call milk fever, and then we have to, we have to uh, intervene and, and give them some calcium intravenously to get their calcium level up until their own body gets the calcium level balanced again. I see. And it doesn't happen with every cow. It's just occasionally. Yes, yes. I'm so glad that you call and that you explained that to us. I I do feel though that we have become an um, a bacteria phobe nation. That we feel that bacteria are bad for us. And you know, you you say you're in your seventies. I am sure that when you grew up, uh, when you were playing outside and helping in the on the farm, you've been exposed to m plenty of bacteria. But over time, it simply makes your immune system stronger. Uh huh. I mean, why why is there such a fear of bacteria? Yeah, I yeah, I don't know. It's like you say. I I probably agree with you there. We've probably been exposed to bacteria maybe, all the maybe, time, all maybe the time. We're, maybe we're immune to them. Yes, it is just uh, those people who have just been. There is this idea that there may be some people. Who who have a sensitivity to certain bacteria because the way they grew up and uh, everything is disinfected, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. You know, and you, you look at people. We we don't want to even eat dirt anymore. I mean, you can eat dirt, some of it, but uh, people clean everything. It's got to be completely dirt free because oh my goodness, we could get an infection somewhere, and our immune system becomes so weak. And that is why I think some of the callers. Uh, fall over, they say, you know, we, there is this whole industry that is built around this because we're trying to, I don't want to say sell, but we need to sell the medication to the people. We got to give them antibiotics uh, for no reason. We got to give them vaccinations really for no reasons because there is all this what if, what if, what if. And if you start thinking that way, then yes, what if somebody could get diarrhea from drinking raw milk. So let's just make it illegal for everybody to get. And to me, it makes no sense. No, no. It doesn't make sense. Yeah. Okay, sure, I'd like to visit with you because it's more, more, I can visit with a lot more and we can talk about it on the phone. Oh, absolutely. And I'm sure that with your whole history of being in the dairy industry, uh, you have seen it all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, thank you. All the best to you. Thanks for the call. So that is an interesting, uh, very interesting call, and I really appreciate him, uh, the Camerons, uh, Nelson, and this was his father. I think we can all learn from that. It, uh, it, how do you say it? It's humbling for me to sit here and read 
these stories that I read that make a lot of sense to me. But then you hear people who are in the industry and say, you know what, you gotta, you, we have to be careful because it's not always the way it's written down. And, and I also can realize that maybe we do things a little different in Montana than uh, the articles that are written nationwide. Uh, things are being done in other states. So it is good to know. It's good to, good to be aware of it. And I really appreciate that. The, the, the benefits of raw milk are there's plenty of information and research that not only does it have a ton of nutrient in it, besides the fat, and again, raw milk, specifically if it is from cows that have been grass-fed, I realize that in wintertime, it's not always easy to give them enough hay and the fresh grass, so there may be some support nutrients, but still, you will get a better quality milk than if you pasteurize and homogenize it, uh, which is unbelievable what that, that, that is happening. But we have room for one more caller. Good morning, caller. Thanks for joining the show today. What's your name? How can we help you, please? Good morning, Jacobus. This is Casey. Casey? That's yes. been a long time. Yeah, it has. But I've been listening every time to this one here. You know, I kept thinking back to the 60s when we were farming, when I was farming, and I had, actually, I made more milk, more money off of my goats than I did my cows. Yeah. You have a stainless steel bucket with no seams in it. Yeah. And, uh, and you're very careful and you're clean. And uh, you, there's no problem whatsoever with, uh, with uh, milk. I think pasteurization is maybe because people keep it so long. The shelf life is probably longer. Yeah. But in the days of, remember the days of, where do you remember? You're not that old, but... I remember when I was a kid, people would die of consumption. Women would get milk fever. Women, not cows, not goats, nothing else. That, I mean, and I, I don't know, I haven't Googled it, but I don't trust the Internet anyway. But, you know, talk to some old-timers. I'm only 76, and uh, so, and I'm, I'm pretty young, yeah. really. Really, <laughs> I am, and uh, well, you know that. <laughs> yes. But anyway, uh, it, uh, as soon as I heard milk fever, I thought, well, that was only women. And it was it was in the olden days, as they would say. I, I got to go, Casey. I'm yes, so sorry. I'm great. so sorry. It's it, over. It, yeah, you. thank bye -bye. you. Bye-bye. Folks, uh, thank you so much for listening today. Appreciate the show. See you next week.